You are listening Ukraine 242. We bring you interview subjects from all walks of life in wartime in Ukraine. Thanks to all our listeners around the world. Here is our collaborator and your host, Anne Levin. Welcome to Ukraine 242. I'm your host, Anne Levine, reporting from WOMR for the Pacifica Radio Network. My guest is Bogdan Bolkovetsky, the general manager of Kraina FM, the singular all-Ukrainian network in the Ukraine. Bogdan operates one of the largest media outlets in Ukraine. Kraina FM reaches 22 Ukrainian cities, as well as the airwaves of several neighboring countries. For this reason, he is a particularly good source of information about many aspects of the Russian-Ukrainian war. This week, I asked Bogdan about education behind the Iron Curtain and what it was like in Ukraine when the Soviet Union fell apart in 1989. We also talked about Ukraine's Zaporizhia nuclear power plant which was recently captured and taken over by Russia. The Russians sabotaged the plant, one of the largest in the world, by cutting its power, turning it into a Chernobyl waiting to happen, but on a much larger scale. Bogdan explains what could happen there and why the Russians wouldn't care if a malfunction at ZPP destroyed part of Russia itself. Can you tell me anything about Zaporizhia? I think nothing would happen there. Seems like international experts about to visit the station. And uh, while they are there, I think everything should be fine, at least while they are there. And the question right now for how long they can stay. Who's there? Russians. International experts promised to be there starting September 1st. That's the official promise. And while they are there, I assume nothing bad would happen. But who knows? I heard they're giving out iodine tablets now to the residents there. I just heard that our Ministry of Public Health, he has announced that Ukraine has bought some sort of medicine, enough to survive through the accident. But no one knows what this accident might be. I mean, if it happens, it's really bad. No, in real terms, if that happens, everyone is in deep. That's absolutely. Because I still remember Chernobyl. There is a a nuclear plant. Chernobyl is much smaller nuclear plant than Zaporizhia, much smaller. And I still remember when Chernobyl didn't even explode, they had an accident and it was devastating. And it was devastating uh, also because it was unpredictable. It was up to weather. It was up to wind who is going to suffer. So if something bad happens in Zaporizhia, it does not automatically mean that Ukraine gets hurt. It might be Russia. It might be Turkey. It might be Baltics. It might be Western Europe. It depends upon the weather, upon the atmosphere pressure and the wind. Why do you think Russia would risk that in the first place by cutting the power? All this in Russia doesn't care about anything. I mean, what they really don't care about, about people, about human lives. So if they can cheat the rest of the world by this threat and saying that Zaporizhia plant might explode 
and you'll get hurt and Russia will play this card up to the end. I mean, they just don't care if some of their regions would get hurt. They will just walk over it and continue. And that's it. Do you know General Jukov? He said once, very famous phrase, very famous phrase, when somebody asked him about casualties among soldiers of Soviet army during World War II. And they said the casualties were just terrific, terrific. And what do you think about it? And he said, that's not a problem, because women will give birth to many more men. And that's it. <laughs> the equation is solved. <laughs> no problem. And that's the general thinking behind it. And they just don't care. And that's it. And uh, you are probably aware that Russia is a totalitarian state. So there is no democracy in the country. And people cannot call to any reaction their government or their president. He does whatever he wants. And by all means, neither he personally, neither his friends, neither his relatives would get affected. They will be somewhere in the mountains, in the bunker, and it's all good for them. And their population is cheap. And that's very convenient. You may pose threats to the whole world, and the whole world is panicking. Because what he does and has on his mind, no one knows. It's like North Korea, but like on a maximum charge. <laughs> That's it. So you think he's worse or as bad as the North Korean regime? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because North Korea is supported by Russia. So he's a parent to, in North Korea. He's just his father. <laughs> not biological, but just be farther. If something happens in North Korea, they're running to Russia, they're running to China and say, oh, help us, help us, help us. It's just obvious. Putin, who has nukes and who is threatening to destroy uh, Great Britain as an island, who is threatening to destroy Europe, who is threatening to destroy United States. I mean, who, who is he? How old were you? You were 20 or so when... The Berlin Wall came down? 19, I guess. What was that like for you? What was the feeling in Ukraine? That's when you got your independence, right? Yes, but our independence was by far much more significant for us than the Berlin Wall tear down, in fairness. And the Berlin Wall came down, and we just knew about that. But we were elated because Ukraine gained independence. It eclipsed all other events. When we say the wall came down, that's sort of how we refer to the Soviet Union falling apart. So what was that like? How did that feel? Especially you. you were you in the Luhansk region still? No, I was nearby. I was 60 miles from my native place. I was adjacent in Donetsk region. And I was a student at that time, and we were elated, of course. We never realized what's going to happen next. But you see, if you say that it's freedom now, it's always, <laughs> even if you don't realize what comes after, it's just the good news, because that's freedom. That's a freedom, and you just don't have to listen to all this party, communist party. It was literally everywhere. In our college, we had special lectures, like a weekly base, where the history of party and history of philosophy of Soviet Union and Communist Party were taught to us. Forget about getting your degree if you don't pass this test. 
And they were just so like from Mickey Mouse movies that Lenin is a hero, he's our Batman, he is our Ant-Man, he is our everything. And Stalin is also our Batman, and Brezhnev is our Batman, and we have the myriad of Batmans. And I mean, it, it was insane when you are young and you are listening to this, and the real life, it does not reflect it. I mean, we, we were not living like heroes. All of us wanted to have a pair of decent jeans, and, and decent jeans even from eastern part of Germany, which are not decent, they're just jeans by its nature, but that's not like big brands. <laughs> or a good brands like them. Wrangler or Lee or Levis. No, no. Cheap jeans. And, and this was a daydream for everyone. Like everything. Chewing gum. Can you believe it? Chewing gum. Do you know why? why? Yes, of course, because in your culture, chewing gum could have put us in the wrong direction mentally. That was the, the idea. So <laughs> if you don't know that chewing gum exists, <laughs> and if you don't know that jeans then what we would like to do is just to go to a plant to do something there and not asking many questions and just to find a wife on that plant and breed and mate and create some kids and that's it. That's all you need to become the soldier. And that was the idea. To cut us off, we didn't have access to American movies. And the, the only book which we could have read in our college was Jerome K. Jerome. Maybe somebody else, but no, nothing from modern American. And that was the idea. That's Iron Curtain, as it was. And there was no internet. You couldn't just go online and see what's happening in Washington or what Lady Gaga is wearing. No. Just go to a library and just imagine you have a group of 10 people and you go to a library with home assignment and there are only two books in the library, two English books. You have assignment. So you create a list, a waiting list. Who does what? You make shifts when and there. It was insane. You grew up in this system. This is when you were at university, right? Yes, yes, of course. Were there people who bought into it? There were a lot of people who bought it. A lot of people bought it who said that everything is fine because people never knew the difference. It's not like here. Like, of course, you remember, it's like 90s of the former century. No such means of communication as we have right now. And actually, at some point, you just, you tend to believe what you are being told by state media. And that's all we had. We had three TV channels, two from Moscow and one from Kiev. And we had several newspapers, which you were obliged to get attention to, and three radio channels. And that was it. And everything was controlled by government. How did you know the difference? I was a student at the Institute of Foreign Language. For us, it was easier because we could read something. And from time to time, people from our institute were traveling abroad. And when they were coming back, they were telling all kinds of stories about how life is different. That's how we knew. Obviously, some people, I guess, didn't believe them. And then there ah, were... I mean, it wasn't like public talk because you could have been easily jailed easily it was called anti-soviet propaganda and it was like i don't recall exactly but it was like five to seven years it wasn't a minor offense no it was like full charge so the people who came back and to tell they were never telling these stories like open was a uh, kitchen meetings uh, as they were called so you get together at some friend's kitchen and you talk in a real small circle, like five, four, six people, and that's it. That's it. So you happen to be in a group 
or have a circle of friends like that? Yes, of course. Yes. Of sure. like minds. Yes. And uh, we were not so oppressed because we were pretty young when it collapsed. So we were lucky in that regard. We were still pretty young when it collapsed and well, all this happened. But it was drastic. It was a nightmare, really. Can you imagine you have Democrats and Republicans? Imagine just Democrats won forever or Republicans won forever and, and the president was forever. And you cannot get your teacher degree unless you are successful with the history of Republican Party. You are taking exams and you should know this regardless. That's how it was. It was in every college. You should have known the history of the Communist Party. You have known the philosophy of the Communist Party. If you don't know that or if you don't follow that, you just don't get your degree from being a teacher to being an engineer or, or a doctor or anyone. No, everyone hated it, literally. <laughs> What were you taught about Ukraine and Ukrainian history prior to the Russian Revolution? No, no, no. No, we were almost not taught about Ukraine as a separate country or as a separate people. We had some Ukrainian lessons, but they were very, very minor, and it was like Soviet Union always. It was Soviet Union history, history of Soviet Union, or history of the world but almost never Ukrainian. We had some classes, but it was like classes about Ukraine being a part of the Soviet Union. What about 19th century history? What were you taught about prior to the Russian Revolution? Was it just taught that Ukraine was not even a separate entity? It was just part of Russia? Oh, I, I just can recall about Soviet Union, not even about Russia. They were about Soviet Union. And Soviet Union used to consist of 15 uh, republics, like 15 states in America, 15 sisters, they were called, 15 sisters of republics. And Ukraine was one of them. And the history was about Soviet Union. They didn't try to raise any awareness about Russia separate or Ukraine mostly or Belarus. And they tried to put us under this umbrella of Soviet Union. This is Ukraine 242. I'm your host, Anne Levine. We are hearing from Bogdan Bolkovetsky, the general manager of Kraina FM a 24-station radio network in Ukraine, which was rebranded as Radio National Resistance when Russia attacked on February 24th of this year. Bogdan, when you first went overseas and you were able to see and hear for yourself the worldview of 
Ukraine and Russia. Did it shock you? No, because my first eight years or something like that after independence of Ukraine was gained. Uh, by that moment, of course, I had much broader view on what is happening in the world. The first country I visited was Spain. <laughs> yes, and it wasn't like a shock. <laughs> it was, okay, okay, that's good. That's what I expected. Nice, nice Spain. Keep on, keep on. That's very nice. Everything is fine. Good, <laughs> good. <laughs> Keep keep walking, keep walking. Was there any place in the world that surprised you? Uh, surprised me. <laughs> yeah, you're saying that Spain met your expectations. Were there other places you went to the first time that were completely... Oh, I, I, I can't say I, I ever judged. No, it wasn't because, listen, the Soviet Union collapsed. It took me eight years to get abroad. Because it was expensive and you always need money for something. So, but anyway, you travel abroad in different life. But also life in Ukraine for eight years became much more freer. And eight years, it's a long time. It's a long time period. You are not so oppressed anymore and you don't feel so, how to say, oppressed. Yes, you don't feel oppressed. You just go to a free world, but you come also from a free country. You are at home if you go outside Ukraine to Europe. You understand that you are somewhere. It's easier. I mean, some countries are much more developed. Like I've been in the United States. It was uh, very unusual for me that you almost should have a car to go from place to place. And people go shopping like for red on a car because that's the mean of transportation. And that was unusual for me that everyone has a car and or two cars or three cars. and. It was a shock. It was a shock for me, yes. But Europe, much more like Ukraine, maybe more developed in economical way. But in general, it's like you are at home. If you go outside Ukraine to Europe, you understand that you are somewhere on your land. You know what is happening. Maybe sausage is better or beer is different or, I don't know, car is better. But you are definitely at home. That's the impression because everything is pretty much the same. United States were different. When we think of this war in those terms, it's much easier to understand why Ukraine and Ukrainians, for the most part, will never give up this fight, will never go back to what it was. Of course. Well, it's interesting because the history of Ukraine is so confusing even to some Ukrainians that I've talked to, mm -hmm. that, you know, it's certainly hard for an American to really understand it at all. And, you know, that really puts it in focus, in perspective, what you're telling me. So I appreciate that. Any other thoughts today? I've run across the book, The Hidden History of the United States by your famous director, Oliver Stone, are you aware of that book? No. Yeah, you should. And you know, that's the guy who is an Oscar nominee. And <laughs> just have a read. Google it or go. He has like three, several series of documentaries and interviews with Putin. And Oliver Stone is saying that Putin is right and West is wrong. And he's making a mockery on himself. On himself, I think. 
I think that's my personality. From being a great director, becoming like a puppet um, dictator who is threatening the whole free world new war. His history of the United States is also different from what I've read previously. And that's the same happens in Ukraine. I mean, there is no like history like a sun, because the sun is the one star which shines everyone at the same, the sun. If you say history, it becomes more and more different for every individual. You may take like usual history side, take Oliver Stone's side, or I don't know, Alex Jones' side. And it's all different histories. There is no single history. It's not like mathematics that you take two plus two equals four. No, everyone, you may have your own. <laughs> Just put it into the book, do a podcast, and in half a year, you have thousands of followers. Because it became mostly a literature. If people like to that kind of narrative, that kind of storytelling, if they like that, they might think that we are reading history. It might be just opinions, and, and that's it. But what is happening right now in Ukraine, it's not opinions. That's, first of all, that's the full-scale war. And second of all, Ukrainians won't quit because everyone is participating, literally everyone, by different means. Someone is sending, someone, someone is joining the army, someone is helping or volunteering. But like the last research about two weeks ago was 97% are participating, one of the forms are participating in supporting the military, 97%. You cannot read it from another angle. <laughs> you cannot. What we are concerned about is the future. That's what we are concerned about. And first time in our history, it looks like we eye to eye, everyone praying about our future, that this future should be without Russia. That's the breathtaking moment. That everyone sees it. That's history day one. Say. That's the newest new Ukraine. Then we have the common vision. Well, thank yes. you for educating me not only about Ukraine, but about the United States. Thank you. Yeah. Stay safe, please. Yes, I, I thanks hope... for having me. Thank oh, you for of course. Me. It's, sure. it's my pleasure. And I hope I'm it's not asking too much if you get a little rest the rest of this weekend, but that's probably ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Okay, thank you for having me, and I'm always for you, as you know, if you need anything from me, be here. Thank you, yes. and take thank care. You so Stay much. safe. My guest was Bogdan Bolkovetsky, the general manager of Kraina FM, a 24-station radio network in Ukraine, which was rebranded as Radio National Resistance when Russia attacked on February 24th of this year. Чё ты? За нами правда, 
Значить, вистоїмо ваші вистріли За нами правда її ніяк не пристрілить За нами правда, значить, визволим селом Ми за селом, за нами правда Значить, ми з долин повиганяємо зло Ну а поки будем битва за зові бучі За дні, за дні прої кручі За ірпінь, який ти мучі Зело, зелений квітучі За Херсон землю родючі за Донбас получи, за Чернігів неминучи, за, лі, за ліси дрімучи За Хмельницького Богдана, за, Фра, за Франка Івана І за Суми, і за Храми, за село прийде за вами І за ночі, і за рани, і за кожен тривожний ранок За Харків і Тюльпани, за, за Одесу, маму За Рівни і Столбанів, за Полтаву, Львів і Полі За Київ, Луцьк, за Вінницю, за Миколаїв за Чернівці, Черкаси, Тернопілі, Кривий рік За Запоріжжя і Житомир і за Крим забуться гріх В небі чисто мочути грім В небі свистало чути гімн В небі чисто мамотний дим Горить ліса лечати гімн В небі чисто мочути грім Thank you for listening to Ukraine 242. I am Anne Levine, the creator and host of Ukraine 242, in collaboration with Pacifica Network, WOMR, and Kraina FM. The opinions expressed by Mr. Bolkovetsky do not represent the opinions of WOMR or the Pacifica Network and its other affiliates. Editing by David Klan and Ursula Rudenberg. Recording by Michael Levine. Music by Skovka with their new song, Chuti Jim. My other interviews with Bogdan Bolkovetsky are available under podcasts at ukraine242.com. If you would like to send a message of encouragement to the Ukrainian people, please call 510-883-3115 and record your message. It will be translated into Ukrainian and broadcast throughout Ukraine FM's network. That number is 510-883-3115. To see pictures of Bogdan and our other guests, go to ukraine242.com. ukraine242.com. This is Anne Levine reporting for Pacifica Radio Network from WOMR Provincetown. Until next week on Ukraine 242. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you for listening.
the Ukrainian national anthem played by the Kyiv Symphony Orchestra.